Welcome to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm Nabil Biagio in Washington, working on this program via remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan this Monday, January 2, 2022. President Salva Kiir has suspended peace talks with rebel groups. To be realistic, government itself is the one always attacking our forces across the country, intended to be used by them as a window to suspend their own peace accords. And calm has returned to the Greater Pibor administration area after last week's deadly clashes. The security situation now has become normal because uh, fighting started in Bumuruk is currently uh, down a bit. We will have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. South Sudan President Salva Kiir has suspended peace talks with holdout rebel groups that had been taking place in Rome. Kiir says the holdout groups have continued to carry out activities that destabilize the country and says his government will only resume the talks when the rebels agree to engage in genuine negotiations. The rebel groups deny Kiir's accusation, saying his decision shows his government is less interested in the Rome peace process. For VOA News, Waki Simon Wudu reports from Juba. In his New Year message, President Salva Kiir had suspended the Rome peace talks until further notice. Kiir accused the whole out groups of not adhering to a ceasefire agreed on in 2020. The government and several groups that did not sign the 2018 revitalized peace agreement have been meeting in Rome since 2019. But last October, the talks stalled and so far the process has failed to silence guns in parts of the country. In his New Year address on Saturday, Kir said the parties had made some positive steps in the peace talks and his government was prepared to engage with them last October. The president said the talks would resume when, quote, they are ready to hold genuine talks with government, end quote. Some of the holdout groups say Kir's decision indicates the government's lack of interest in the Rome peace process. Pagan Amum, head of the Really SPLM, describes the latest development as unfortunate. The government and the non-signatories of the revitalized peace agreement, the group that they refer to as holdout groups, are in disagreement. And the purpose of the Rome talks is for, for the, these two parties to sit and talk, negotiate, to find a solution to the problem, to the crisis in South Sudan by addressing the root causes as they agreed in the Rome Declaration. Therefore, when we have this crisis, if the government is serious, they would not suspend their participation, they would not create obstacles, but rather sit with the non-signatories in the Rome process. Amom says the parties were expected to start negotiations on key issues, including reviewing why the implementation objectives of the revitalized peace deal could not be reached by next month as planned. Want to focus and discuss why the transitional period has failed to achieve peace and transition to democracy, and why all the transitional periods we had had five different transitional periods, five different transitional governments. Why have all these transitional governments been dysfunctional? 
Amom denies Kir's accusation that the holdout groups have been destabilizing the country. Colonel Philip Deng is the spokesperson of the South Sudan United Front, one of the parties to the Rome peace process. To be realistic, government itself is the one always attacking our forces across the country, intended to be used by them as a window to suspend the Rome peace accord. So we are not waging a war or not ready for peace talk to resume as asserted by President Kiir. However, should President Kiir give another room for the resumption of the Rome Peace Initiative, then our high-level negotiating team will report themselves to Rome. Amom says the peace talks are intended to define the causes of the country's political problems of governance and establish a solution. In 2021, President Kiir also suspended the government participation in the talks, citing the same problem. Amom says so far the two sides have not begun negotiations on the real issues. For VN News, Amwaki Simon Wudu in Juba. And from Juba, we moved to Jongule, where authorities in the Greater Pibor administrative area say normalcy has returned to the area. This after last week's deadly clashes between the armed militiamen known as the White Army from neighboring Jongule state and youth in Pibor. The information minister in Pibor says the attackers have started to voluntarily withdraw from the area, adding the death toll has risen to 72 from both sides of the fighting. Deng Deng has the details for VOA from Bor. A group of armed militiamen known as the White Army invaded and launched several attacks last week in parts of Greater Pibor administrative area. The militants are suspected of having crossed from the neighboring Jangle state. Local authorities say the deadly intercommunal clashes have left dozens of people dead, homes burned, livestock stolen and tens of thousands displaced from their homes. Abraham Keleng, the information minister in the Greater Pibor administrative area, confirms that that calm has returned after the armed youth voluntarily withdrew from the region. The security situation now has become normal because uh, fighting started in Bumuruk is currently uh, down a bit. And those attackers, they went back still on the way. I don't know exactly the place uh, it's saying, but uh, it's currently they're gone. I had yesterday some of them, they reached uh, Jongole, and some of them still on the road, on the way. And Morley's uh, community is still in the borderland. Kalang says the death toll from the both sides of the clutches has risen to 72. He says more than 42,000 people that have been displaced by the fighting are in need of humanitarian assistance. Figure higher, but at that time I just reported 56, but they now adding uh, 72. But still, yet we are searching to collect all the things. Okay. Because they are now including also women their death. So that is uh, adding to be uh, 72. The total of number displaced from uh, two counties, uh, which is uh, Gumuru County in general, Old Payam, and uh, Kongor Payam in Lekwangule County, uh, 7,716 households and 42,440 uh, individual personnel. Kelang says some internally displaced people who have fled the conflict in Gumruk and Lilkwangule 
including women and children, have arrived in Pibor town. It says some are sheltering at schools and others in open places in hedge weather conditions. They are lacking a lot of things because the uh, person they are coming from one place to another village. They are lacking um, food materials, uh, food services needed, and also uh, humanitarian assistance. We need to assist in other business areas. Uh, uh, a lot of things. Uh, we inform NGOs, but uh, currently we didn't see uh, what NGOs done to this uh, community. But we are still engaging the community the NGOs to do something. In a joint statement last week, members of the international community, including the UNMIS, AUMIS, EGAT, the Troika, EU, and RJMEC, called on South Sudanese leaders to urgently intervene to stop the fighting in Pibor. They also want leaders to ensure the safety and security of civilians, as well as unimpeded humanitarian access to people affected by the fighting. They also emphasized the need to investigate and hold accountable all perpetrators of the conflict, including those who are instigating and inciting violence and those responsible for the abduction of women and children. The UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs says vulnerable people in South Sudan continue to suffer the cumulative and compounding effects of years of social and political instability, food insecurity and climate-related shocks such as flooding. Ocha says the ongoing conflict, including violence at the subnational level, has impacted thousands of people in 2022, leading to multiple displacements, loss of lives and livelihoods. The UN agency says that this has also exacerbated people's chronic vulnerabilities and mounting needs for life-saving humanitarian assistance and protection. In 2023, a projected 9.4 million people in South Sudan will need humanitarian assistance and protection as will nearly 3 million people who are expected to face physical violence, including rape and other forms of gender-based violence. Protracted displacement has affected over 2.2 million people who are not able to return to their homes. For VOA News, I am Deng Guiding in board. And we return to Juba, where the Bari community in Juba County dismisses allegations by the South Sudan Army spokesperson that rebels from the National Salvation Front were involved in a recent conflict. Pastoralists from Jongule State reportedly clashed with residents of Mangalapayam of Juba County in Central Equatorial State. For VOA News, Waki Simon Wudu reports from Juba. Stephen Petia Lako, the chairperson of the Bari community, has described the Army spokesperson statement as irresponsible, baseless, and discriminatory. Last week, Major General Lulroy Kwong said the South Sudan People's Defense Force stormed a base belonging to the Rebel National Salvation Front, or NAS. He said SSPDA forces had been ambushed in Mankara village in Mangala. Instead, Lako says tension between pastoralists from Bor County and residents of Mangala started nearly three weeks ago when the pastoralists encroached onto farmlands in the Tibari village of Mangala. He says that escalated into fighting in several villages, resulting in several deaths and the displacement of at least 20,000 people. Paradoxically, on the 25th December 2022, after the visit of the Honorable Commissioner of Juba County, the SSPDF went to the same areas visited by the Honorable Commissioner and started shelling the civilians with heavy weapons, 
claiming that these were not rebels' bases. Lako told the journalist last week that General Kwang's allegation is unfounded. The leadership of the Bari community and the entire cross-section of the Bari people want to make it abundantly clear to the SSPDF and the people of South Sudan that all the Bari lands mentioned are occupied by Bari indigenous communities. They neither have any connection nor host any Nas rebels group. Lako says the Bari community wants an investigation into General Kwong's accusation that residents of Mangala are hosting Nas rebels. Last week, Major General Kwong said an SSPDF infantry unit flushed out Nas rebels in the area. He said the SSPDF leadership has not yet officially responded to the press release of the Bari community. I've just gone through the documents. I also had an opportunity of listening to the audio. Uh, and uh, we are going to present this uh, document to the leadership of SSPDF for them to study, and we shall respond uh, accordingly. Mayom Atenewai, Secretary General of the Bor Community, told the South Sudan in focus he has no information about reports that pastoralists from Bor were involved in a conflict in Mangalapayam. Y says cattle keepers from his community do not stay in just one area and are in transition from place to place because they are responding to the presidential order for pastoralists to return to their places of origin. The cattle cam was attacked and the cattle cam does not belong to Borbor community alone. We also have Bari and Mandari cattle keepers. So the cattle cam is mixed. So when, when, when the cattle cam was attacked, uh, the Mandari community lost about four people. They have about five injuries. The Borbor people lost two people and have about uh, eight injuries. Eight innocent uh, uh, civilians were injured. Were injured and, uh, so, so what they're saying is, is not so what we know and what we believe is that uh, those attacking uh, civilian cattle camps are, uh, are not forces. The Bari community leader says the cattle herders from Jungle Estate are carrying weapons and move freely without being questioned by the government. Lako says the situation is problematic and needs to be addressed. The Bari community, like any community in, this, in South Sudan, has the inalienable right to acquire weapons to defend itself. It is, therefore, a fallacy and irresponsible to claim that they are not rebels. The cattle herders are openly carrying guns of different types, and nobody has ever questioned their possession of all these types of weapons. Lako says he wonders why cattle keepers are allowed to roam freely with heavy firearms and are not being questioned by the government. But when farmers take up arms to protect themselves, they are labeled as rebels. We urgently urge the president and commander-in-chief of the SSPDF and the supreme commander of all organized forces to direct all security organs to immediately cease the unwarranted offensive operations against our innocent Bari people in all the Bari land. Relations between the cattle keepers from Bor and several communities in parts of central and eastern equatorial states turned sour in recent months. Last month, the governor of central equatorial state ordered cattle herders to return to their places of origin, saying that part of the growing insecurity in the state is due to the presence of empty herders. 
In 2017, President Salva Kiir ordered cattle herders to return to their places of origin. The order has largely remained unimplemented. Addressing a high-level meeting of the ruling SPLM party in November, Kir told state and national officials he decided to relocate his own cattle from central equatorial state after issuing the order to help minimize conflicts in the equatorial region. For VN News, I'm Simon Wudu in Juba. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, we have a look at the legacy of Pope Benedict XVI, who passed away over the weekend. Stay tuned. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. Question today. What are you thankful for? I'm thankful for life. The fact that I am able to live a full life and be able to do the kind of things that I want to do. I'm very thankful for my life, my children, and my job. My job helps me to get money. I'm very, very thankful for that. I thank Allah for my life and for my parents. I'm grateful because I've attained at least education. Uh, Education is going to help me get a job and get other opportunities in life. I'm thankful for my family, my friends, my husband, my children, and all the lovely friends of mine who have been helpful to me. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Ugandan police are investigating a stampede that occurred at a New Year's Eve event in Kampala that resulted in the death of at least nine people, including several children. Halima Othmani reports for VOA from Kampala. The deadly crash occurred outside the Freedom City Mall, which hosted an event marking the new year. According to police at midnight, the master of ceremonies encouraged attendees to go outside and watch the fireworks display. Lucas Owayesijir is the deputy spokesman, Kampala Metropolitan Police. After the display ended, the stampede ensued, resulting in the instant deaths of five people and injuries of several others. Emergency responders arrived on the scene and transported the injured individuals to the hospital where nine were confirmed dead. Haji Chimera, whose two children died in the stampede, spoke to VOA by phone. He says the children, one had been promoted to grade seven and the other to grade six. He says their father had taken them to Freedom City. Millions of Ugandans joined the rest of the world to usher in 2023, the first time in the new year was being welcomed with large festivities after two years due to COVID-19. Halima Othmani for VA News, Kampala, Uganda.
Pope Benedict XVI, who shocked the world by resigning from the papacy in 2013, died on Saturday at the age of 95. Benedict, the German conservative theologian who is still influenced Roman Catholic Church doctrine, lived for nearly 10 years behind the Vatican's walls as a retired pontiff. Monsignor John Ensler is the president and CEO of Catholic Charities in Washington, D.C., and a priest on weekends at St. Bartholomew's Church in Bethesda, Maryland. VOA's Carol Van Damme asked him what he thought of Benedict's decision to retire. I thought it was a very courageous uh, and very, um, I guess, servant-oriented decision. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the Pope. Uh, for 600 years, for, you know, for 600, basically, it has not happened. And he decides, for whatever reason, that it's time for him to step aside and someone else take his place. I don't know the reasons, but I certainly respect and appreciate the goodness. I think of, I think of St. John the Baptist, you know, uh, and, and he said of Jesus, he said basically, he must increase and I must decrease. And I think to some degree I felt like this was what the Pope was saying. I've got to get out of the way here. Of the church. I love the church so much, but maybe not the right person health-wise otherwise right now. So I was just overwhelmingly impressed with that decision. Just unbelievably good decision, I think. Well, a certain oriented decision. And I think it's, it's turned well because Francis has been a great Pope since. And, and speaking of Pope Francis, were you ever uh, in the company of either Pope Francis or Pope Benedict when they came to Washington? Actually, both the Toulouse, Benedict came to Washington. I saw him when he was here. But Pope Francis actually came to Catholic Charities, where I work. Uh, this is my day job. If I work in the parish on the weekends. So, but basically, he was right here was in our chapel, uh, right in front of our building. He walked through the front door of our building, and he went across the street to the King Library. And he, we had a big tent set up. And um, he greeted the people. Uh, it was an amazing thing. So I, that was a very special time for me to be right in his presence. But again, when Bendik was here earlier, uh, uh, Cardinal World arranged that. I saw him, but not, at, uh, not so close. Not so close. Is there anything that you want to say about former Pope Benedict that I didn't specifically ask you that you think is important to mention? I, I just, you know, I, 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 when I think about Pope Benedict, I just think about the... Uh, just, just the sacrifice, or the, basically the, the servant leadership. Um, you know, this is not normal for most people to say, I'm in charge, I, I got all the power, I got all the prestige, but I'm going to get out of the way. Of the, you know, I mean, that would happen with most CEOs wouldn't do that. You know, when our, most you know, secular leaders wouldn't do that. It's a pretty, pretty amazing thing. Uh, it speaks to really, um, I think, to the goodness of his heart and, frankly, his holiness to say, what's best for the church? What's best for the church? Maybe right now I'm not the best for the church. I'm going to get out of the way. I think it's amazing. Just amazing. That's Monsignor John Ensler, President and CEO of Catholic Charities in Washington, D.C. He was speaking with my colleague Carol Van Dam. Next, an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. In a year-end press conference, Secretary of State Antony Blinken highlighted four of the most consequential areas of diplomatic success in 2022. First, he noted the United States rallied the world to ensure that Russia's war on Ukraine is a strategic failure. Since February 24th, we've brought together dozens of allies and partners to promote security, economic and humanitarian support to the Ukrainian people, as they stand up for their country's democracy, its sovereignty, and its independence. Our collective support 
including now an additional $1.85 billion in U.S. military assistance, has enabled Ukraine's fighters to go on the counteroffensive, liberating their people, retaking more of their territory. Secondly, we accelerated strategic convergence with our allies and partners on the People's Republic of China, said Secretary Blinken. Back in May, I set out our strategy to meet the challenge posed by the PRC. Invest in the foundations of our strength at home, align with our uh, partners and allies, compete with China so that we can defend our interests and realize our vision for the future. Furthermore, the United States and its allies remain united in their commitment to preserve peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait and continue to raise concerns and take joint action in response to the PRC's human rights abuses in Xinjiang and Tibet and the erosion of freedom of speech and the press in Hong Kong. Third, the United States has mobilized coalitions to deliver solutions to food security, health, energy, and climate, and inclusive economic growth. Finally, we use the power of American diplomacy to advance peace and prevent and mitigate conflict, said Secretary Blinken. Together with my counterparts from Israel, Morocco, Bahrain, the United Arab Emirates, and Egypt, I took part in the historic Negev summit to advance integration and normalization in the Middle East. We brokered a historic agreement between Israel and Lebanon to resolve their longstanding maritime boundary dispute. We supported African-led talks that led to the cessation of hostilities between Ethiopia and Tigrayan forces. We helped bring about a framework agreement to put Sudan back on the path toward civilian-led democracy. We helped secure and later extend a truce in the Yemen conflict. Looking ahead to 2023, said Secretary Blinken, the United States and its partners will continue to work together to build a world that's free, open, secure, and prosperous. That was an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. South Sudan in focus is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. And that's all we prepared for you this Monday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you miss this broadcast, go to www.voaafrica.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with the song Endless Hope by Alor the Icon.
and the song Endless Hope. I am your host, Nabil Biajo in Washington. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. Remember to join us again tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.